Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter. Oh, yeah, B1GKURT, baby. I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. We appreciate very much listening, downloading, sharing. That's how successful podcasts get bigger. You're a part of that, and we appreciate it. Indeed. One thing I do not appreciate is how bleeping cold it is currently right now in the upper Midwest. It's finally starting to warm up. It's going to be warmer tomorrow a little bit. Into the double digits. In the the 20s, actually, I think is a high. Today is one of those days where you walk on the snow and it's got a different sound to it because it's so cold. There's a different crunch. Like you can hear a different tone coming from it. You know what I'm talking about? The other thing, too, that I always notice when it's this cold, um, there does not have to be any snow or ice on the road. The concrete or asphalt itself is so bleeping cold that it becomes slippery itself. Yeah, it's like not the, fun driving right now. The properties break down. Right. Or, 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 I don't know. How and to you say can't it, but. you can't use your windshield wi- shield wiper fluid because it just it's frozen. You the the salt on the ground doesn't melt ice because it's so cold. And it's the middle of December. Like this is supposed That's to what be mid me. to late January yeah. type of shenanigans. Yeah, we were talking about it today. Uh, this is going to be a rough winter. And uh, I was talking with a couple. I, I tell you what. Those those poor farmers almanacs, they still know how to do their thing because I you know, I'm in the construction world, so you have kind you have to kinda know. You have to kinda plan out sure. what type of winter it is. People still use that. Really? And people had been predicting for for months that it was gonna be just an just a really asshole of a winter and yeah, we're well, already it, into it. It has been so far. Yeah. Today was the worst day. Yeah. Another thing drives me nuts, um, since we are people that travel for our uh, mysterious day jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to punch in seemingly 84 keystrokes at the gas station for because I have a gas card. And, yeah. dude, that is the worst when you are out in days. Like, like you just want it to be – like, I, I think about just using my own credit card because it'll just be faster to right. get back in my and, truck. And when you punch the numbers in, all the electronics are, are slowed for some reason when it's that cold. The like you punch one. it, you wait for the the number to register, and then you punch another one. You wait. Worst, it sucks. The best one is when you have the keypads that actually have the actual old school like phone raised numbers. Oh yeah, those well, do ten times better. Right, those are way better. It's always a button's always better than the screen. Button's always better. Buttons are good. <laughs> All right, um, weather talk. I mean, that's great podcasting right there. So we both dislike <laughs> awful weather. Okay, we got we got, 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 got that outside of football. Okay. All right, so. We have got a special podcast today. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, we're going to do housekeeping, and then we're going to break down the football contest that was the most recent. Um, and then we got our old pal Dustin Shooty from Saturday Tradition that's going to come on to help us out with a little little award show that we're going to go through. I'm excited, man. His second appearance on the cast. Yes, second appearance on the cast. Uh, can I be so bold as to give out the first housekeeping item? Because I forgot last podcast. Go for it. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. All right. So, obviously, again, Dustin Shooty, friend of the podcast. Another friend of the podcast is Pick 6 Previews. Yes. Brett, so our, Brett Ciancia. Yep. Our boy Brett. We get to do our, our, our own awards here, but Brett got an actual vote in the actual oh, highs. That's right. That's right. And I'm, he I'm, couldn't happen to a better guy. Yep. Happy for him. I'm also insanely jealous. 
very much jealous. There's, I wish I could throw in my two cents. That would be the worst thing I could possibly do. Of course, I didn't do that, but man, good for him. Good for him, and I'm sure it'll be us next year. I would think so. Uh, you you got to assume at this point. If you keep sharing the podcast, people. That's right. That's how that works. Shit. So. All right, go ahead. What do you got? All right, here's what I've got. Maryland running back, Anthony McFarland has declared for the NFL draft. I think that was a smart move on his part. Good move by Anthony. For a number of reasons. He's a running back. You only got so many miles on, uh, you know, on, on the tires there. You got to get the money while you can. And he's really good. He's pretty damn good. And where is Maryland going? So probably a smart move there, Anthony McFarlane. Northwestern hires Mike Bajakian as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Now, he was most recently at BC for one year with Adazio before he left. They led the ACC in rushing this year. Formerly, he was OC at Tennessee, Cincinnati, and Central Michigan. Also spent time in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Chicago Bears, my friend. Uh, the general thought process that I've seen here and there in the Twitter sphere is uh, a person that was most recently the offensive coordinator for Boston College and um, Adazio, which isn't the most thrilling offenses in the past. No. With that being said, this year looked a lot better as far as offensive uh, their offense was for Boston College. Yeah, there I mean, was, there was better flashes. I mean, in the past, it was Boston College was was defense and defense only. Sure, but like I said, led the ACC in rushing, which I think is probably exactly what Fitz wants to do. So, probably good hire there for for Fitzy. Ohio State, Chase Young and Justin Fields are two of the four finalists for the Heisman Trophy, along with Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. By the way, I don't think Jalen Hurts is getting enough love. Am I crazy there? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I I I can definitely think of one person that I would have invited over Jalen Hurts, and that's Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, we should point out that Jonathan Taylor did not get an invite, which which is an oversight, I believe. But you don't think Jalen Hurts deserves to be there? Um, I mean, he ran for twelve hundred fifty yards. Here's the way I can describe it: It's got like if 50. Jonathan Taylor, both Jonathan Taylor and Jalen Hurts should be there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Why not have five? I don't understand like, because. What? There's a pretty hard cutoff after Taylor, don't you think? Yes. It just seems to make sense. So I, it's not so much against John, uh, um, Hertz. Hertz did throw – he had a lot of turnovers this year. That's true. He, he did have his, a lot of turnovers. That's a good point. I mean, he he lost them a game. I mean, he played horribly for an entire half at K-State. Almost lost them Baylor, but – Okay, but but then he played great after that. I agree, and almost won the game for them. I'm pulling for Jalen Hurts just as a overall as a, as a dude. So me don't too. get me wrong. I I hear what you're saying, but again, I just tie it back to Taylor. If Hurts went, I think Taylor should have went. Agreed. Old Dominion has hired Penn State offensive coordinator Ricky Ronnie as their head coach, and he of course has been with Franklin back to the Vanderbilt days. And then finally, Purdue defensive coordinator Nick Holt has been dismissed by head coach Jeff Brown. Oh, here's one more. Boy, this doesn't seem like it belongs. University of Miami recruiting class has had 18 decommits so far in this class. 18 decommits is unheard of without a firing. I mean, if you, even, right. even like, if you get you fired. See, you see that when there's been a change in the coaching sure. staff. Yeah. Not when the coaching staff has been in place for a full year and isn't, isn't supposed to go anywhere. So I don't know what Manny Diaz is doing, but it's a zoo. Can, and then real quick to go back to the coordinator uh, uh, changes in the Big Ten. Um, Ricky Ronnie, I think, was, if I could speak for, for Nittany Lion Nation, 
by and large, they were happy to see him go. I think this they probably feel like this is addition by subtraction. And that, as, as long as they hire a good one to replace him. Well, okay, that would be what I would say. I would file that under the be careful what you wish for yeah, for Penn State I know. fans. I agree. Um, the offense could look better at times this year. I, yeah. I agree. I mean, I think we talked about it on the podcast. And, and they had the, a lot of weapons. I feel like they should have definitely looked better this year. Um, then on the other side, I do think it was it was Nick Holt's time. I am. I don't, I don't know it if was. you shed a tear. Did you pull like pour beer out, homie style? No, I or? mean, so my Nick Holt love goes back to the first year that Brown was at Purdue, 2017, when he just took, I mean, not much in terms of parts and put them together and basically made like a Shelby forward Shelby Cobra you know like he just like pulling this piece putting it there that defense was like top 25 ish they were they were like right on that that edge with just with not good recruits so I was that just always that year they they were a little bit more senior laden that year yeah they were that's true uh but and then this year they were younger I don't think there's any doubt about that there were some certainly some injuries um what I've you know had information given to me was that they weren't lined up correctly most well, of the that, time. Hey, that's what Brom said in a press conference, basically. It was, he was pretty much dead at that point. Yeah, I thought so. We knew. But then he kind of bounced back a little bit, and I thought um, I thought maybe he was going to hang on. But, yeah, I agree. It was probably time to move on. Yep. Okay, finally, former Iowa athletic director and Big Ten icon Bump Elliott has died at 94 years old. He was an AD at Iowa from 1970 to 1991. His hires include a few guys you may have heard of, Dan Gable for wrestling, Hayden Fry, Lute Olson for basketball, and Dr. Tom Davis. Not to mention George Raveling in the middle of there as That's well. That's true. That's yeah. a good point. I forgot about him. 34 conference titles while he was there, 11 national championships. Okay, all in wrestling, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so he was a three-sport athlete at Purdue. Did you know that? Purdue and Michigan. Well, well I was going to get to okay, Michigan, right. so it was it was during the war. So this was very common back then. Is players would bump from from one team to another, often within the Big Ten. I mean, this happened all over the place. So he ended up playing his last year at Michigan. Was an All American halfback in 1947. Won the Silver Football Award too. Was also Michigan head coach from 59 to 68, which is amazing. Because his brother is Pete Elliott, who's an Illinois coaching legend. He coached from 60 to 66 and, and went to and won a Rose Bowl. So those two brothers coached against each other. And his son, Bobby Elliott, was the defensive coordinator at Iowa. I mean, okay. this is this family, the Elliott family, is a Big Ten icon- iconic family. Absolutely. They grew up in Bloomington, Illinois. Uh, they they uh, so he was a fullback and his brother was a, a halfback I believe in the same backfield, so yeah. So he led the wool as a coach. He led the Wolverines to the 1964 Big Ten title, nine and one record. They won the Rose Bowl. Um, then he was a part of the Michigan administration there that was that brought in Bo Schembechler. Oh wow, I didn't so know that. Not 100 percent his sure, but part of yeah. the administration. So. He was a member of the inaugural Rose Bowl Hall of Fame because he participated in the bowl as a player, an assistant, a head coach, an assistant administrator, and the athletic director. Boy, that's impressive. <laughs> and he, the fact that he won in 64, his brother won the Big Ten in 63. Back-to-back brothers winning, winning Big Ten titles. That's, Elliot's that's awesome. hot. How about it? And everybody says that anybody that spent time with him, working under him, just getting to know the guy, one of the classiest gentlemen that you've ever could meet. Yeah. So he did all of this without being the proverbial 
athletic director director D bag because I swear eighty five percent of current athletic directors are D bags. Yeah, is that pretty yeah, fair? It's probably pretty okay. fair. That's just yeah. a, that's just a it's a it's fly a, by night comment. It's a D bag position. <laughs> it's a you know? D bag position, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's it for housekeeping there. All right. So last regular season game of the year or conference it's, championships postseason. Then. I think it's postseason. Postseason. Okay. How about post-regular season? Post-regular season. Yeah. I like that. Did yeah. you just coin that? I just did it right now. You just now. did it. Make a t-shirt. That's why we have a podcast, man. <laughs> this is this is why we're here. <laughs> the Ohio State Buckeyes 34, Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badgers 21. The Buckeyes with 492 yards of total offense. The Badgers... With 432 yards of total offense, the time of possession was about the same. That was a very entertaining Big Ten football championship game. Number one, it was very entertaining. Uh, the thing that strikes me is they were similar games. The two games that these two played. I mean, I know I, Wisconsin wasn't up big in the first game, but what I'm trying to get at is Wisconsin came out in both of those games with really good game plans. They, you know did everything they really wanted to do for the most part in the first half, and then it just they got overwhelmed in the third quarter by just more talent and adjustments. you got to give Ohio State credit for adjustments in the second half in both games. That's a really good point. I mean, I was the, the point you just made I was thinking of, but comparing it to the game earlier in the year, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good point. Um, I think part of that really impressive game plan for Kristen Wisconsin was running their quarterback. I mean, yeah. Jack Cohn was looking nimble footed. It remind me of, of uh, Peters against Iowa, right? They obviously weren't game planning for it and right. It, and it worked. That was very impressive. But even on top of that was just how well Jonathan Taylor rushed the ball. Absolutely. I mean, definitely it was mostly, in the first half, but oh, it was mostly he, in the first half. I he, mean, yeah, he, they shut him down after that. Well, they they shut down the entire Wisconsin running game. They uh, six yards rushing for Wisconsin in the second half. I mean, that's Yikes. the story of the game right there. So, um, don't try to make excuses, but sometimes maybe they're just kind of hanging there, ready to be used. Do you think possibly there was a little bit of a big game hangover for? Ohio State playing Michigan. I mean, yeah, I mean that is something that is very unique to how this has turned into over the years. Obviously, Michigan Ohio State ended the year against each other for years and years and years and years and years, and that was essentially typically the Big Ten championship sure. decided on that game. Now, because of modern day football with the Big Ten, with the championship game, they got to turn right around and play another huge football game. Do you think? That's a little bit of a hangover. Yeah, I think definitely. And, you know, playing also just 13 games now, that's a lot of games for for college youngsters. So speaking of hangover, so this was their third straight win over a top 10 team. Yeah. All by double digits. Correct. And I I find it weird that the narrative nationally seems to be that, oh, they looked bad, but they still won. Well, not really. I mean, they they showed that they were dominant in the second half. They kind of, again, I'm going to give Wisconsin credit. I think they played about as well as they could have against this team. They just ran into a team that's a a physical juggernaut. Correct. And we're going to get Dustin on here in a little bit. We'll we'll tie this more into the college football playoffs and the rankings. But back to this game, completely agree that – what happened was this was a very good Wisconsin team yeah. that came out 
on fire. Absolutely. And and that's what because it doesn't seem like anybody in the country typically can stop Jonathan Taylor. I mean, the only time it happened this year was with the same Ohio State team in some weird conditions. If you can get John Taylor going, you can get you're going to get an offense going. Sure. Long story short, Wisconsin's a good football team. Absolutely. And that's what they looked like. The other thing I'd like to point out, what you just said, uh, Ohio State getting dragged uh, in, in, I mean, I certainly on Twitter, but I think even by sports writers that I've... Oh, that yeah. I've, I've been reading a bunch of articles where they... Uh, well, obviously, Ohio State's, you know, they're not as good as they, they seem to be. They have the largest winning margin in the country still. And I'd also like to point out those same people had kept saying as the year went on well let's just see what ohio state does if they get hit in the mouth let's see if they respond and they responded <laughs> you know it's like to me wisconsin came out of this game looking pretty good ohio state i thought came out of the game looking really good so this kind of tells the story of both of these games going back to my original thought uh wisconsin was outscored 31 to 7 in the third quarter versus ohio state this year that would that the third quarters decided both games Another another person that has decided both games is J.K. Dobbins. Jonathan Taylor, 148 yards and a touchdown, shined outshined by J.K. Dobbins with 172 yards and a touchdown. Justin Fields, uh, great day, 300 yards, three touchdowns, um, got hit in this game, and there was no doubt in my mind that he was not 100%. After the game, Ryan Day flat out said. Not 100%. Right. We had zero plans of running Justin Fields because, I mean, he didn't implicitly say it, but I think we knew what he meant, which is we thought we could win this game without Justin Fields running it. Sure. Probably even more so than that, we know we're we're going to continue on to the college football playoffs regardless of how this game goes. Yeah, that's a good so point. So we need to have Justin Fields healthy. Now, because of the nature of a football play breaking down and – and uh, uh, you know, Fields having to make a play. He did run the ball some in this game, but sure. not like he yeah, had so done it previously. Imagine if they had another weapon like that. Correct. There. I mean, that, that that's impressive. Another thing I want to point out to give Ryan Day mad props for running the fake kick. Yes. How about it? Completely changed the tenor Absolutely. of that game. And then from there on out, they came out in the second half on fire. So, I mean, you, again, Ryan Day proving himself to be a pretty good Big Ten, big-time football coach in his first full year doing it. Yeah, I mean, I specifically have him in my notes. Great coaching job by Ryan Day and Jeff Halfley in this game. I just, you know, again, totally different game in the second half from the first half. Now, back to Wisconsin. Another thing they did well is they got to Justin Fields. We said, you know, if they can run the ball well, not turn the ball over, get to Justin Fields, that's how that's, you're going to have to all, do all those things to win this game. They did. They sacked him three times in the first half, five total for the game. So give them credit there. I'm just going to go back to I think this is a good team that got beat by a really good team. All the things that we said on last pod, on the last pod, that Wisconsin needed to do, they did it. They pretty much did. I mean, they didn't and run the ball Ohio in the second State half. State still, still won, won without, points. without Justin Fields' dual threat capability. That's what you need to point at. Not they didn't beat a team by four touchdowns from the get go. So we'll yeah. get, like I said, we'll get into it in a little bit. And but. the only team in the country, by the way, Ohio State, with five wins over current uh, college football playoff top 25 teams. I don't know what else you have to do as a team to be ranked number one. 
Okay, some milestones here. So Ohio State wins their third straight Big Ten title. Wisconsin, meanwhile, won the first two Big Ten title games and has lost in their last four appearances, three of those to Ohio State. K.J. Hill becomes Ohio State's all-time leader in receptions. Justin Fields has thrown three touchdown passes in 12 out of 13 games that he's played this year. And he probably could have done it in every game if he played. Right. Yeah, if he had played the, the whole game. That's right. Three plus, obviously. And, of course, Jonathan Taylor broke 6,000 yards rushing for his career. Seventh back to ever do that. Second in Wisconsin history. Pretty impressive stuff. Amazing. A lot, a lot of accomplishments. All right, we are very happy to be joined on the Eyes on Big podcast with Saturday Tradition's own Dustin Shooty. Dustin, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you guys doing? Well, we're cold. How's, yeah, how's the weather down there? It's getting colder, but it's not nearly as cold as what it would be in Minneapolis. So when I complain about 45 degrees, I know that's uh, pretty much falling on deaf ears. Yeah, we had negative five this morning. Yeah, I do not miss that about the Midwest. You don't miss when your nostrils, your nostril hairs freeze up. Such fun. That is, yeah, that was always the worst. That I don't miss shoveling. I don't uh, miss uh, you know getting the, the snow plow out or anything like that. Oh my gosh, it's. I don't know if I could ever live in the Midwest again simply because of the winters, um, and that may make me a big wuss now. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I accept it. But do you still feel a little bit of superiority over your southern brethren when they complain about 45 degrees? Uh, I wish I could say that. But after living in Florida, I've pretty much lost all respect for myself. <laughs> like, it gets, to, it gets to like 50 degrees and I'm bundled up in my hat and gloves and a big coat and everything. So I still haven't quite acclimated yet. That's all right. We won't hold against you. No longer a true Midwesterner. Nope, nope. I used to be, uh, you know, for 25, 26 years, and it just gets kicked out of you pretty quickly when you know it's 70 degrees and sunny all year round. So what you going to do? Well, um, speaking of warmer temperatures, which is where these uh, college football playoff bowl games will be played, um, Kurt and I just broke down the Big Ten championship between, obviously, Ohio State and Wisconsin. Uh so after the day was over, the very next day, the college football playoff committee came out and LSU number one, Ohio state drops down to number two Clemson stays pat with number three. And because of losses, Oklahoma slides up to number four, probably be for the audience for the eyes on big podcast. The thing they're most uh, intrigued with, if that's a way to put it is the switch of one and two of Ohio state and LSU. What's your thoughts, Dustin? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't really have a huge problem with it because whoever, you know, it doesn't matter where you're ranked, you're going to have to go and win both games to win a national championship. Nobody really cares about who won the Peach Bowl or who won the Fiesta Bowl. It's going to be who won the national championship. So in that regard, I don't have a huge problem with it. The the thing I do have an issue with is I, I really don't think after LSU beat Georgia, I don't know that Ohio State really had much of a chance to retain that number one spot. Uh, I don't know if it, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe I'll pull my, my Joey Galloway out here and mention 59-0 in 2014, which he seems to do every time ESPN's on. But if, if, you know, if maybe Ohio State won a game like that, then maybe they would be the number one team. But I just felt like 
the way LSU played in that game, it, it didn't matter what the resume said. It just looked at the fact that number two LSU beat number four Georgia by 27 points, and that was going to be enough to give LSU the number one ranking. So I think if you look at you know the schedule, the number of ranked wins, the uh, offensive and defensive metrics, I think those all favor Ohio State. But at the very last week of the season, um, you know LSU had the more uh, the more dominant performance, I guess you could say. So that gave them the bump up. I just it, you know, it doesn't make a huge difference to me, but I, I would have had Ohio State at the number one spot. Yeah, I agree with you. And so you're basically saying the the recency bias of that big win on the last day is is what you think propelled LSU to to number one. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And and to me, you know, the interesting factor is I, I, Georgia had some guys that were out of that game. Their top wide receiver was out for the first half. Um, some of that stuff didn't get considered. The other factor is here, you know, Ohio State has to play Wisconsin twice. Um, so the Badgers are better prepared for an Ohio State team. that, And they were a little dinged up. Justin Fields had a bum knee um, and couldn't move around as much. And they had some guys on defense who weren't playing at full strength. So there's just a lot of different factors there. And at the end of the day, like I said, I think that just because LSU had the better performance on the day that was right before when the college football playoff rankings come out, that's what moved them into that number one spot. So I mean this in the most complimentary way. You're stealing my thunder because you're hitting on all the things that I wanted to talk about. Um, I mean, what I put out on Twitter was the reason uh, LSU looks better than Ohio State today is because Wisconsin is better than Georgia. Now, do I think the Georgia and Wisconsin four weeks ago, if that would be the case, not as much, but the love affair of Georgia combined with just the inability to understand that that just wasn't a a full you know, full uh, attack by Georgia that day in the SEC championship just blows my mind that that was just completely glossed over. And the only thing people saw was the final score of how much LSU beat what I think at the time was, was just a pretty good Georgia team, not top five in the country, Georgia team. Well, and if I can add to that, um, I think also everyone just sees the fact that Ohio state had to come back to win and that's counting against them, even though part of that is because they played a really good Wisconsin team that had a really good game plan coming out of the gate. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny about that is all season long, what did we hear about? It was, well, how's Ohio State going to handle pressure? How's Ohio State going to play on the road? How's Ohio State going to play when they play a ranked team? How are they going to play when they get down and have to come from behind? They've answered all those questions, and against good teams. And so that's, I, I don't understand, like, I, I get the point that Ohio State did not look good in that first half, but at the same time, you've asked all these questions, and, and they've been, you know, um, they've been, I don't want to say they've been, um, like, I can't think of the word, but anyway, Ohio State's been asked to do all this, all this stuff this season, right? And then all of a sudden, you're flipping it around and saying, well, they didn't look really that great against the number eight team that they should have beaten probably by four or five touchdowns. It's So you just you can't get a break um, if you're Ohio State right now. Like I said, I, I don't know that it matters all that much. And, and if we're going to be honest, maybe Clemson should have been in that number one spot. Hmm. Um, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, um, the committee just asks way too much of Ohio State week in and week out. And you, there's only so much they can do. They're 13-0. They're Big Ten champs. They beat good teams by a lot. They overcame a big deficit. They, you know, 
I just don't know what else they could have done to get that number one spot. And that's where I think most of the frustration from Ohio State fans was the last three weeks of the year, they played Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And they beat them by an average of 17 points. That's the, that you're the number one ranked team in the college football playoff. That's your finishing kick. You win. Not only do you win all three, you win all three by an average of 17 and you drop a spot. That's preposterous to me, especially when you uh, uh, juxtapose it with LSU, whose last three games of the year were Arkansas, who's awful a just okay Texas A&M team, and then a depleted Georgia team. That's that's asinine to me. It makes no sense. Yeah, I don't think that there's really a good explanation for it. Um, they can they can talk about, you know, it, and it didn't make sense to me either when Rob Mullins comes out. Like, I've heard this argument before. I don't think he wins a lot of arguments in his house because <laughs> <laughs> he just continually, like, it contradicts himself. Like, all season long, what, what was the knock against LSU all season long? defense yeah exactly and so then all of a sudden against george they hold him to 10 points and then all of a sudden lsu becomes the most complete team in the country i don't know if he said those exact words but he said something to the effect of now lsu has proven it's a it's one of the most complete teams in the country well ohio state did that for 13 weeks for, for 13 games so you know like i said that's what i think ohio state had zero chance to retain that number one spot after lsu won by 27 points yeah, you're probably right now, Justin. I want to go, to, Dustin. I want to go back to something you said earlier. It doesn't matter uh, where you're ranked. I disagree with that. I mean, I, I think you'd rather play Oklahoma than Clemson right now. I mean, Clemson looks great. We don't really know how good they are because they haven't played good competition. But for me, I'm much more scared of Clemson than I am Oklahoma. So I would rather be ranked number one personally. Right, and 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 sorry to interrupt, but that yeah, that's. You bring up a good point. Like, yeah, if you have to pick the first-round matchup, of course you want to play Oklahoma because they look more susceptible, and your defense is probably going to be able to stop Jalen Hurts and the Oklahoma offense. At least you like to think so if you're Ohio State. My point is it, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because nobody's going to look and say Ohio State lost – or, no, excuse me, Ohio State won the Fiesta Bowl or LSU won the Peach Bowl. It's going to be who won the national championship. You know, we you don't look at those other two games really in any – regard other than they got a chance to play for a national title so as far as you're concerned about getting a chance to get to that next level i you're spot on you'd much rather play oklahoma but at the same time if you're going to win a national championship you got to go through you got to go through two teams and, and one of them is going to be clemson probably at some point anyway i i agree with that but it still is a deal to get to the to the championship game itself and another thing is I just personally believe any team, in this case Ohio State, but any team will be less beat up after playing Oklahoma as compared to playing Clemson. I mean, that is a very much more physical team to me. Yeah, I, I think that, that's a fair point, um, and we can and we can agree to disagree on that. I think that's that's fine. I mean, I don't think you guys are bringing up any bad points. It's just in my in my viewpoint, I. I just kind of have the mentality that, you know what, you get your shot to prove you're the best team in the country. Now you get a chance to go out and prove it. And, and that's just kind of where I stand on that. But And that's not to say that you guys aren't bringing up good points. I mean, that's those are great points. That's just personally how I kind of view the whole college football playoff situation. Cool. All right. Um, next topic. Uh, this brought out Spicy Shooty 
on uh, Twitter, and we all love Spicy Shooty. Uh, four people going out to uh, the the Downtown Athletic Club, which is a cheap knockoff of ours here, the Downstairs Athletic Club. But anyways, um, the four guys going out very, very much deserve to be out there. Uh, Justin Fields, uh, Jalen Hurts, um, Joe Burrow, and who am I missing? Jace Young. Jace Young. Uh, the person that was left out, Jonathan Taylor, running back for Wisconsin. Do you have some thoughts on that, Dustin Schutte? I do. And first of all, I think the Eisman is going to be more important than whoever wins the Heisman. So let's just throw that out there with the down, <laughs> downstairs athletic club. So let's throw that out there. And it, Yeah, I mean, okay, so I might be in the minority here when I say this, but Jonathan Taylor, number one, did enough this season, and number two, did enough in his career at Wisconsin to earn an invitation to New York. I mean, I don't, I don't know what more you could do at Wisconsin. He, he's passed Herschel Walker. He's passed Archie Riffin. If he, if he were to stick around for four years, he'd pass Ron Dane, which is a rushing total over 7,000 yards that we thought nobody would ever touch. Right? So I understand that it's supposed to be a yearly award. But this is if you take him off Wisconsin, I'm sure Wisconsin's still really good. But are they playing for a Big Ten championship? Are they winning 10 games? I, I really don't think so. Um, so that's kind of my frustration. I know you might get knocked and say that, you know, this is an uh, individual award for each individual season. You have to look past the previous years, but man, when you look at what he's done in a lifetime in three seasons at Wisconsin, to me, that warrants an invitation. We know he's not going to win. We, we know who's going to win the Heisman trophy. So what's the harm in throwing in that fifth, um, invitation, getting Jonathan Taylor out there, getting him some recognition for what he's done for three years. Um, you can make the case for J.K. Dobbins, but again, I, I would say Jonathan Taylor, for what he did this year, for what he did through his three years, absolutely deserves a spot in New York. Yeah, I like what you said about if he were to stay another year, he'd probably pass Ron Dane. That's a good point. Hadn't really thought about that. Uh, the other thing that I want to point out is, to me, it seems like after Jonathan Taylor, there's a hard line to the sixth player. So to me, you've got five, a group of five players that seem to stand out from the rest of the country. Why not invite all five of those? Yeah, and, and that's I don't know why there's such, you know, they talked about there's only three selections you can make for your Heisman vote. I don't know. I'm not a Heisman voter. And, you know, at the, at the way it goes, I don't know that I care to be because, again, I think that this is an award that doesn't necessarily recognize the best player. I think even Greek tweeted out it's the, it's the best player on the college football team or college football playoff team. Excuse me. Um, so, you know, I, I think when you look at you're right. Jonathan Taylor, his statistics, what he means to Wisconsin, what he's done in the Big Ten, which is a, a defense, a conference that has prided itself on run defense. I mean, just look at how good Iowa was against the run this season. Look at teams like, you know, Michigan and, and um, Michigan State and, and Wisconsin had to play all of those teams, you know. So I, I just don't think that maybe I, I know Melvin Gordon got an invitation a few years ago, but the, the Heisman pool was so low that year that it was hard not to invite him. But I just don't know that Wisconsin, maybe he doesn't have quite the, the appeal as an Oklahoma or an LSU or an Ohio State. So it, it just seemed like a, a bad deal to leave him home when he's done so much this year, um, so much throughout his career for the Badgers. All right, cool. Uh, agree with everything you said. Brought up good points. Um, I don't know. Maybe if he sticks around one more year, he'll get to golf. But if he does that, he's crazy. So. 
All right. Um, that will bring us on to the yearly Eisman Awards. So we're gonna we're gonna start out with the Eisman. The what we each have for our uh, pick for the Eisman this year. Um, we decided to bring Kurt on or uh, uh, Dustin on for two reasons because Dustin's great and we love having him on the podcast. Also, as a tiebreaker, so if there is two that agree, that's the winner. In the case of a three-way tie, we will do the very judiciary approach of rolling at some dice. And electing the winner on live. It'll be live on the podcast for all our listeners. They'll find out the same time we do. Going to be very exciting. And can I just say that I feel like that the dice rolling should also be maybe how they choose the four teams in the college football. Yes. There's it a, would be better. There's spicy shooty again. <laughs> just saying, it would be much more entertaining than hearing Rob Mullins talk every Tuesday night. From well, October through December. Can we all agree that I'm glad that we don't have to listen to that crap? That the the constant debating of who the top four teams is that's finally over. I'm 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 happy about that. Yeah, and and you know you can predict Reese Davis's first question every year. It's define four best. It's like uh, throw, you need to throw this guy off a little bit. Like, yeah. of course these simple these simple questions have actually caught him off guard quite a bit too. So. <laughs> I, I seriously have no faith in that committee, but whatever. We can move on. I, I digress. Rob Mullins not being invited over to Dustin Schutte's house for eggnog anytime soon. No, he will not be. <laughs> All right. We will start it out right from the top. Kurt, you go ahead and give me your choice for the Eisman of 2019. All right. Sure thing. Obviously, a lot of worthy contenders here considered... The great Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, uh, even Chase Young. I'm not. I didn't. Can't, I'm not going to say I considered this guy, but I just want to throw out his honorable mention, Tanner Morgan. But of course, my selection for the Eisman, the Big Ten Player of the Year, is Justin Fields of Ohio State, quarterback. 208 completions out of 308 attempts at 68 percent, almost 3,000 yards passing, 40 touchdowns to one interception. Are you kidding me? Also ran for 471 and 10 touchdowns. My Eisman selection for the 2019 season, Justin Fields. Dustin Judy. Well, that was he was in my mix too, but I actually went with another Buckeye. I went with Chase Young. 16 and a half sacks, six forced fumbles. 19 and a half tackles for loss. He came up big in some of the biggest games. He got four sacks on Wisconsin. He got three against uh, Penn State in one of the biggest games of the season. Um, and those totals could have been high, would have been higher if he was allowed to play against Maryland and Rutgers. So I thought Chase Young had uh, the most impressive year out of anybody in the Big Ten. And I swear to God, we are finding these out live. Everything that you just gave, both of you, makes a lot of sense. I went with Ohio State running back, J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> so we're three Buckeyes, three different Buckeyes. It's almost like we've come across the reason why Ohio State is 13-0 Big Ten champs. Um, I don't have J.K. Dobbins' stats in front of me. I know he had something like 1,800 yards, 20-some touchdowns. I mean, he was like a touchdown behind uh, Jonathan Taylor and uh, like 50 yards behind him, but he also brought even more, I would say, of the receiving threat, not that Jonathan Taylor wasn't. Um, it is my personal belief that 
and I think I said it maybe 14 or 15 times on the podcast this year that he was the heart and soul of that uh, Ohio State offense this year. Um, so th- I, I and I just have a, a man crush on him. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I he's the running back I think any team would want. Um, so yeah, we got a three way tie. So so how do we resolve the three way tie? We didn't uh, come up with a oh yeah a theory yeah okay. Oh, the, the roll. That's right. Okay, yeah. we're rolling the dice. So, just so just so everybody knows, if it's a one or a two, it's Kurt. If it's a three or four, it's Dustin. If it's a five or a six, it's Jeffrey. Griggs. And we should explain that we are rolling the die out of a pick six previews koozie. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, <laughs> Dustin Shooty gets the vote. So our 2019 Eisman winner is Ohio State. Defensive end, Chase Young. And I got to say, thanks for having the Stones to nominate him, uh, uh, Dustin. And for Chase Young, as soon as you graduate, DM me. Your $20 Olive Guard gift card will be in the mail. (laughs) Yeah, we don't need him to have another suspension. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, he's going to be really nervous about taking it. Like, he might have to be three years in the NFL before he accepts that gift card. You can pay me back, Chase. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to have some fun. These get, I'd say, increasingly silly or off the, the the normal ledger, which is exactly what we're hoping for. So next up, the Eisman of the Year, non-Buckeye or Jonathan Taylor division. So in this instance, we want to call out somebody that had a great year, uh, but just isn't one of the guys that we all talked about on the last award. So you started out, Dustin Schutte. Who is your Eisman of the Year non-Buckeye Jonathan Taylor division? I have to say that this was probably the most difficult award to give out. Uh, I had like six different names and scratched them off. I went with Minnesota quarterback Tanner Morgan. Uh, threw for 2,975 yards, 28 touchdowns, only six picks. Never had a game with multiple interceptions, by the way. And he completed 90% of his passes twice against uh, on the road against Purdue and at home against Penn State. So Tanner Morgan was my selection. Big Kurt? I like the way you think, Dustin. Uh, I also selected Tanner Morgan. I won't repeat anything Dustin said, but I do want to add to what you said. Not only was he fantastic, I there's a competitiveness that that guy has, intangibles that he has, and he's a great leader. So my nomination tanner morgan quarterback minnesota only thing he lacks is the quaff that we like so much on this podcast uh i went with another gopher minnesota wide receiver rashad bateman he was the wide receiver of the year in the big 10 huge catches not only did he make big catches and big games he also just made spectacular circus catches and games so that was my nominee, but because my two podcast partners agree on one person, congratulations, Tanner Morgan, the 2019 Eisman of the Year non-Buckeye Jonathan Taylor division winner. All right, next one up. You thought that was stupid. Eisman of the Year non-Buckeye or Jonathan Taylor nor plays offense division. So in this instance, let's give a little bit of love to somebody that plays defense, but not for the Buckeyes. How about I start out here? Now, this one seemed kind of easy to me. We're going to stay in Minneapolis once again and go with Minnesota defensive back 
Antoine Winfield Jr., um, I think he could play safety. I think he could play corner. I think he could play nickel. I think he could play one of the cast positions if he wanted to. He's just an all-around big-time football player. On top of that, kind of like a couple other people we talked about, he makes the big plays in big games. He was the Big Ten defensive back of the year. I don't think there was anybody else he could have given it to. So that is my selection, Bickert. I like the way you think, Greek. I am also going with Antoine Winfield Jr., and not only do I think he could play all those positions, I think you could put him at defensive end, defensive tackle. I don't think it matters where he put the guy. If I'm on the offense, I want to know where that guy is all the time. He is all over the field, not just making plays, making big plays at big times. Um, and, and I think, you know, in, in addition to all the stats that he had, the sacks, the interception, the pick six, forced fumbles, I think you can credit him with one forced retirement of Jeff Tedford. I mean, I think he probably did him in. <laughs> Dustin. Uh, our first unanimous selection. Wow. I also went Winfield Jr. The, uh, the seven picks was just uh, – and especially against uh, the two against Penn State and the one for the game winner against Fresno State, that uh, those stood out to me. The only other player that I thought about was Zach Bond, linebacker, Wisconsin. See, I, I was I was considering AJ Epinesa. That that was my backup here. Any others you were kicking around, Dustin? No, I had no backup. Antoine Winfield was my guy for that one. So on that note, Anton Winfield Jr., the Eisman of the Year, non-Buckeye, or Jonathan Taylor, nor plays offense division. Next up, the Take That Transfer Portal Player of the Year. In this case, a player that hung in there, didn't quit on his team, didn't pack his bags, stuck around, and helped his team out. Dustin Schutte started out. Well, this might be the uh, easy one, but I went with Indiana backup quarterback turned starting quarterback Peyton Ramsey. He lost the job to Michael Penix. Uh, he probably could have gone. I, he could have gone to like half the schools in the Big Ten and probably been the starting quarterback. Um, instead, he sticks around. Michael Penix gets hurt. He completes, uh, I think, around seventy percent of his passes this season. Gets his chance down the stretch to get Indiana to bowl eligibility, uh, get him to eight and four, win the old Oak and Bucket over Purdue. Um, you know, in, a, in an era where quarterbacks don't stick around if they're the backup, you got to give that kid a lot of credit because not only did he stick around, he stuck around at a place like Indiana, um, and it really paid off for the Hoosiers. Yeah, I think this one's kind of a no-brainer here. I also went with Peyton Ramsey, and you're right. He was actually at 69% completion percentage. In the 10 games that he played, the Hoosiers were 7-3. and three. Now, I did kick around any single person on the Rutgers roster or the Illinois roster for, for sticking it out through some tough times, but I'm going with Peyton Ramsey, quarterback Indiana. Yeah, truth be told, the entire – Reason I put this award on the list was so that we could single out Peyton Ramsey for what he did this year for the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, I mean, it's hard enough to step in as a backup quarterback once he had to do it multiple times. I mean, the guy got not not by the coaching staff. I don't mean it like that. Just by the circumstances got jerked around. And every time I mean, there was one point in the year, I think it was like nine games into the season the stats for Peyton Ramsey and Penix were almost identical. Um, so, you know, credit to the offensive coordinator, Kalen DeBoer as well, but that was an amazing job by Peyton Ramsey, the 2019 winner of the Take That Transfer Portal Award. All right, next man up, the Oh Man Did You See That Bleep? 
So this is the Big Ten play or event, really kind of anything on field, off the field, whatever you want it to be. Uh, Dustin Schutte, you started out. Okay, so there were a lot of nominations for me, and none of them happened on the field. So I went with the Joe Bocci situation at Michigan State, and here's why. Not just because he was a star player who was uh, you know, basically forced into retirement for violating the, um, the policy on performance-enhancing drugs, um, but also because his statement and Mark D'Antonio's statement on it wasn't really a denial or an admission that he didn't do it or that he did it by accident. It just seemed kind of like, eh, well, we got caught. And I don't want to put words in their mouth, but even D'Antonio was asked a couple times in the following weeks um, if it was something that was accidental or if you know, it was a mistake or whatever the case might have been or if it was intentional and D'Antonio refused to answer it. So that was just kind of a bizarre situation to me. So that was that was what stuck out to, stuck out to me, especially considering the kind of season Michigan State had. Okay, that's a good one. I want I, I went to keep it on the field here. And... I'm going to be a little homerish here, and this is going to be a deep cut. The My oh man, did you see that shit play of the year was Blake Hayes' punt versus Purdue in the rain, went out of bounds at the half-yard line. It danced down the sideline, did not go out until the half, then hits the pylon, did that in a driving rainstorm. It was a low-spiral intentional punt that is the single best punt I have ever seen in my lifetime. He continually throughout that game was punting low spirals directionally and just having they were they were all fantastic. And every time it would come off his foot, the Purdue crowd would think it was a shank and they didn't realize it was he was doing exactly what he was trying to do. And the ball was skipping along the the playing surface. I totally unreturnable. It was an amazing performance, but specifically that one kick out, out of bounds at the half yard line. Um. There's not a ton of things in this world that make my podcast partner excited, but I tell you what, when he came down to the to, to, came to the downstairs athletic club that day, he already had the that clip of that point dialed up, ready to go to make sure I had seen it. I've I've never seen you that excited before. That was fantastic. Speaking speaking of excited, now I kind of feel embarrassed. My choice for the old man, did you see that shit award of the year was Illinois beating Wisconsin. I mean, boring me. I'm just using on the field uh, examples of something. I guess yours was too, Big Kurt. But uh, that was one that shed, that set um, shockwaves over all of college football. I mean, what was that spread at, at game time? It was about 31 or it was – I'm not sure if it ended at 30 and a half. It was right around 31. Lots of points. A game that was not supposed to be lost by Wisconsin at one point – in the Big Ten Championship, I mean, at halftime, my thought process kept thinking, holy cow, Illinois is going to keep Wisconsin out of the college football playoffs because of that win. So that's why it stuck in my head. But I think we got three choices here. So we're going to go ahead and roll the dice. And it is Big Kurt. Big Kurt gets the win for the Blake A's punt for the oh man did you see that shit play of the year or event event Irving. yeah very much so all right that's good i'm kind of glad that one because i'm i'm proud of you for for pulling that one out of the bag all right next up the 
Dude that came out of nowhere, player of the year, a player that very few people outside of his own teammates probably knew about coming into 2019, but had a gigantic season. If you don't mind, I will start out. I know this is probably uh, getting on Kurt's toes a little bit, but I'm going to go with Indiana wide receiver WAP Fillier. Um, we do breakdowns of every team. I feel like by... You know, middle of August, I pretty much am dialed into rosters of the Big Ten teams. If somebody would have told me who, you know, asked me about Wap Fillier, I'm pretty sure I could have nailed that he was a wide receiver for Indiana, but I'm not sure if I would have had that readily available. But holy cow, six games into the year, it was like the guy was catching 10 balls and 100 yards and a touchdown every single game and also just looking fluid and exciting while doing it. Bickert? I, too, am going with WAP failure. Wide receiver, Indiana. I've made no secret that the wide receiver unit for the Hoosiers is my favorite in the conference. Not necessarily that I think they're the best, but they are my favorite to watch. Very talented, but he stands out from all of them. Uh, His 2018 stats, 23 catches for 235 yards. I liked him last year. But I didn't love him. He only had one touchdown this year. 69 catches, 1,001 yards, and five touchdowns. And I agree with what you said about being very fluid, looking very athletic. Wap failure, wide receiver, Indiana. Another unanimous decision. Boom. I went with uh, Wap failure as well because I think most of the people, uh, by the way, if you were looking at Indiana, we're talking about Nick Westbrook and Donovan Hale. Uh, and uh, Fillier became the number one target in the Hoosier offense. And uh, by the way, in case anyone forgot, WAP is short for Whopper because he loves Whoppers. In case you didn't hear Gus Johnson say that 37,000 times this season, I feel like I needed to reiterate that just so you guys know. But was it discussed more than the weight of Minnesota offensive tackle Daniel Falele? I would like to, I man, that's a great question because those were both so annoying all year. Well, here's here's the real question, Dustin. Does your wife know that Wop's name is Whopper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows exactly okay. what it's short for. She okay. Point, now she didn't get this way with with Wop Fillier. However, by the t- by about the fifth or sixth game, when we were talking about uh, Minnesota and, and the broadcasters would talk about the offensive line, she would say, "Good God, find something else to talk about." That's how much they talked about the size of Minnesota's offensive line. But again. Wapfillier, short for Whopper of Burger King, the winner of the Dude Came Out of Nowhere Player of the Year. You can have it how you want it, right? Isn't that what Burger King's line is? Something like that? Something like that. Okay. All All right. Next up, the sensational second half player of the year. Somebody that maybe didn't get off to the best start or less than he expected. I don't know, but came on strong to help their team by the end of the year. Dustin Schutte. My second half player is a uh, is actually a Hawkeye. I went with Tyron Tracy Jr., the wide, uh, freshman wide receiver. Uh, stepped in for Brandon Smith when he went down and, and had some really big games there in the second half of the season. 24 of his 36 catches, uh, 399 of his 589 yards, and two of his three touchdowns came in those final six games. Um, and he did some big things against Northwestern and Wisconsin, um, played well against Minnesota. So he is my selection for the second half of the of the or, uh, player of the second half of the year. 
I like that. Uh, I was considering a Hawkeye. Tyler Goodson is the one that came to mind for me, but I like that one. I was also going to just throw any single Purdue freshman as as the, the winner, all of them. But I ended up. This was the this for me that was the toughest one to decide. I ended up going with Shea Patterson. Shea started out pretty slow. He just looked okay. He really hit his stride in the Illinois game, which I think was the sixth game of the year, and played really well throughout uh, the rest of the year. And really had a couple excellent games at the very end of the year. So Shea Patterson is my vote. Yeah, um, for most of my awards, I have the two players that I was deciding between. Shea Patterson was definitely one that I looked at for all the points that Kurt just brought up. But I went with another Hawkeye, Iowa defensive end, A.J. Epinesa. Um, It seemingly every game, the last, I would say, four games of the year, he was coming up with big play after big play, and typically in big moments of the game, I don't know if he single-handedly won a couple games down the stretch, but it sure felt like that to a lot of Hawkeye fans. So A.J. Epinesa was my vote. Uh, But now we have got a three-way tie. So we go to the pick six preview dice. And it is number one. That is Kurt, again, Michigan quarterback, Shea Patterson, the 2019 winner of the sensational second-half player of the year, Award. Very exciting stuff here. All right. Next up. Make sure there's not a magnet in those dice. Yeah, I'm not getting anything here. This is all leaning towards Kurt. I don't know what's going on. I brought those dice. They're, they're clean. <laughs> all right. Next up, the more people should know about this guy award. So somebody that's really good. I would even venture out to say that people in the Big Ten may know him. But we think it's people. We think more people nationally should know who they who this person is. I think you got a lot of potential people for this award. Um, I didn't actually nominate this person for an award earlier, so I'm going to go ahead and do it now. Minnesota quarterback Tanner Morgan. Now I would say that by the mid to late of the year, there actually was a decent amount of people nationally that know who Tanner Morgan was. But still, playing in Minnesota, not your typical blue blood or gigantic market team where it, it is you know ingrained in college football fans' minds where they think about the starting quarterback. So Tanner Morgan, kind of unassuming looks as well, maybe plays into it. Uh, but he was fantastic, a gigantic reason why Minnesota had so much success. Uh Big Kurt and I, as Big Ten life fans, we've always said to ourselves, hmm, what would it be like if Minnesota had a quarterback? Well, guess what? 2019, they had a quarterback, but still, I think, a little bit under for what most people would know about a quarterback that is probably considered the second-best quarterback in the conference. Dustin? So I went with, this time, a guy uh, Kurt would be familiar with, and that's... uh, Illinois linebacker Deli Harding. Um, and I thought about him as my second half of the year player too, because during uh, that four game winning streak, I think he played really well, but a linebacker who uh, had 147 tackles, led the big 10, had three interceptions, two were pick sixes. He had uh, 13 tackles for loss, four, uh, three fumbles this season and had uh, 10 tackles or more in nine of the 12 games for the Illini. Like he just, 
embodies everything Lovey Ball is supposed to be about, and I just wanted to be able to work in the word in the term Lovey Ball into this podcast. Um, so he is my selection for um, the guy more people should know about. I appreciate that one, Dustin. Uh, I'm sticking kind of lo- along the same lines as Greek here. I'm going with a Minnesota player, but because he's not a quarterback, I think he flies more under the radar. And of course, that's Antoine Winfield Jr., who, despite uh, unlike Tanner that started getting credit at the end of the year, the ESPN mouth breather crowd never gave Antoine Winfield Jr. credit for just, again, an amazing season. The guy is all over the place. So I got Antoine Winfield Jr. So we have got a three-way tie. So we got Dustin with linebacker Dele Harding. I have got Tanner Morgan. Kurt has Antoine Winfield Jr. I mean, we pretty much know he's going to win this right now with the dice game. No! Ah, this one's me. And the winner is Minnesota quarterback Tanner Morgan. The 2019 More People Should Know About This Guy Award. All right. Next up, we have got the Stuck on the Wrong Squad Player of the Year. This is the proverbial turd in a punch bowl. I almost thought about calling it that. Just went with different uh, nomenclature instead. But anyways, so I will go ahead and start this out. I went with Maryland running back Anthony McFarland. Probably going to be a pretty common uh, answer here. Anthony McFarland, part of it was injury this year, but I think even more than that was we, you know, we saw what this guy could do last year. Uh, as, as challenged as the uh, Maryland offense was last year, that was in the passing game. When the running game was up and running, so was Anthony McFarland. We saw it at times this year, but just not enough. I think it had a lot to do with the coaching or lack of coaching he was getting. But that's my nominee, Dustin Schutte. Take it. Okay, so I had, I had both Maryland running backs down, Anthony McFarland and Javon Leak. Uh, I think Leak did a little bit more this season, and that's probably because of McFarland got banged up a little bit. Um, if I had to pick, I think I'd go Javon Leak. He had uh, he was more effective both as a running back and on kickoff return. I think he had two um, kickoff returns for touchdowns. So you you I mean you could you're really splitting hairs with one of those two guys. It's kind of amazing how bad their offense was with both those guys um, in the backfield. Yeah, we're all uh, thinking alike here. I also went with Anthony McFarland, running back of Maryland. Won't add, since you guys have already uh, talked about him, I won't add too much other than to say, could you imagine that guy on Wisconsin or Ohio State this year? If he was, you know, if you didn't have Jonathan Taylor, you didn't have J.K. Dobbins, and you put him, I mean, would there be any drop-off? I mean, he, the guy is probably the most underrated athlete in the conference. Even even if you put him on Penn State, I mean, imagine what he could do alongside K.J. Hamler. Yeah. And one thing I'd like to point out, it's not the turd in the punch bowl. It's it's, it's the punch bowl and the turds. It, was, <laughs> it doesn't really make any sense. The, yeah, I don't know what I was doing. Like the yeah, it's, the, it's in the toilet. Yeah, it, 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 it's the, the punch in the turd bowl, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> Something along those lines. All right. So, congratulations, Maryland running back Anthony McFarland, 2019, stuck on the wrong squad, player of the year. Okay, next up, the Let's Grab a Drink Award. This goes to the coach that you'd like to toss a couple back with. Um, So, I'm going to challenge you here quick. 
You have to have your coach, why, and also what you think you gentlemen will be drinking. Okay? Big Kurt, you're up. Okay. Uh, this is going to be a little lengthy, so I apologize ahead of time. I thought about Paul Christ, and absolutely not. He'd been my absolute last choice because I'd probably fall asleep at the bar. I thought about khaki pants. No way. Too awkward. I like to enjoy myself while I'm drinking. Uh, uh, James Franklin, I think he'd be a good one overall. He's just not a home run. He wasn't like, I didn't get, get a great feeling. PJ, way too intense. I'm trying to relax, bro. Just let me drink here. Um, Kirk Ferentz, another good one, but kind of like uh, Franklin, just not a home run. And also the big age difference. I just don't know how, you know, how great we'd get along. Ryan Day, now he'd be a fun one, but I'd be jealous and just looking at his hair the whole time. So I'm going to pass on that one. Now, Tommy Allen, who's my favorite non-Illinois head coach in the conference. I don't even know if that guy drinks, does he? I think he's just naturally intense, but he's too intense. So, again, I'm trying to relax, have fun. TA, you're too intense for me. Shiano, I don't want any wood slogans. You know, you know back to PJ, I don't need any boat references. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, Oh, I missed. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I missed one. Um, Scott Frost. OK, overall, I think he'd be OK because it's kind of a laid back guy, but he's a mumbler. I, I want to constantly be saying, what? What? What'd you say? Like having him trying to talk over the music. Loxley, just overall too sloppy. I'm not a sloppy drunk. So, Lox, sorry, you're out. Uh, Mark D'Antonio. The scowl would just that that's turning me off. I'm trying to have fun here, buddy. Just lighten up, smile, have a drink. Love you, Smith. I love you, dude. I'd like to stare at the beard, but you're just a little too uptight. So here's my choice. Jeff Brom, head coach of Purdue. I think he's my type of guy. He'd be interesting to talk to. He's not too intense. Uh, he doesn't talk too much. I like, you know, a little quiet, like, you know, a little conversation, a little quiet. And he seems like a drinker. And I definitely see him as a bourbon guy, which I am, too. So I'm going Jeff Brown, head coach, Purdue. Well, Dustin, uh, that's a tough act to follow. But what, what do you got, buddy? Yeah, that's uh, that's tough. Um, I don't know if I can top that. But here's I'm going to I'm going to go kind of off what uh, Kurt first said. And I cheated a little bit because I'm not picking a head coach. I went with Wisconsin defensive coordinator Jim Leonard because I feel like I could sit down and have a conversation with him and be like, okay, Paul Christ cannot be this boring. I need to know what it's like. What's a day like with Paul Christ? What's the most intense moment you've ever had? Like, what is the disagreement like? With Does he just put his head down and mumble and, and talk about preparation for – 35 minutes in a team meeting room like what's going on there so i'm picking jim leonard and i think he's drinking like paps blue ribbon or old style or something he could smash a beer can over his head with very good um i too uh thought about uh jeff brom uh because it just seems like he kind of is is all around you know calm but you know not too calm oh so I, i thought about that then the next thing I thought of is like, okay, I don't get out much. I got a wife and two kids, you know? So what mood am I going to be in when I'm out for the night drinking? And then I thought of myself, how about Tom Allen? You know, shit's going to get crazy with Tom Allen. I got to think if you get eight or nine drinks in that guy, I think he'd be a beer drinker. I think he would just slam brewskis. But in the end, I decided to just take 
Just take a nice, easy night and just learn something. I want to hear some college stories. I want to hear some NFL stories. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Illinois head coach, Lovey Smith. I think he would be drinking some Cavassier, whereas I would be drinking bourbon, which I think we could pull off. Uh, but it would be a pleasant night. And and I I would get a chance to just stare longingly into the beard. Like, as the alcohol soaked in, would I start seeing faces in the beard? Would 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 the beard be talking to me and not lovey? I don't know, but I would like to check it out. So, all right, we've got three nominees. We have got Illinois coach Lovey Smith, defensive coordinator Jim Leonard, uh, Dustin going off the board there, love that. And Kurt went with uh, Purdue head coach Jeff Brom, and the winner is ha 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 Illinois coach Lovey Smith and the beard soaking up some Cavassier with myself. All right, I think we're going to go ahead and put a bow on it right there. That is a great place to end. Um, Dustin, you got anything else you want to add, my man? No, I just, uh, you know, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast all season long. Uh, I think I've said this the first time you guys invited me on. I appreciate any time you guys have me on. And um, this is the one sportscast I subscribe to. So hopefully other people... Um, we'll listen to this episode, take my advice, download, share, tweet, Facebook, everything, um, because it's a lot of fun and I enjoy doing it with you guys and, and just appreciate you guys having me on again. Appreciate that. And I know you're too modest to do it, but go ahead and maybe just tell little people about yourself and Saturday Tradition. Yeah, so uh, managing editor at Saturday Tradition. We cover all things Big Ten football um, and we will through bowl season and the college football playoff. Obviously, um, when football slows down for a little bit we'll hit on basketball um, a little bit more but then spring football picks back up and then we revamp but all 14 teams 24 7 um, and if you want to hit me up on twitter it's at s-c-h-u-t-t-e-c-f-b um, at shooty cfb on twitter thank you very very much big kurt you got anything to add that's all i got thanks dustin good time for the eyes on big podcast i am jeffrey the greek and i'm big kurt thanks everybody for listening Talk to you soon.